Welcome to the Life Church. We are so excited that you've tuned into our program to listen to a wonderful message. On behalf of Pastor Walt Landers, our senior pastor, we just want to say thank you. Our mission here at the Life Church is to connect people with God's purpose. If you don't already have a church home, we want to invite you to join us at 3301 TLC Way. Now let's prepare our hearts to receive a word from God through this morning's message. Uh, as you heard in our prayer, we've got a special guest with us today. We've been doing a message on family matters, family matters, and we've we've already uh, tracked along here. But uh, uh, Pastor Braden has has such an amazing, just insightful, uh, I, I believe, revelation, you know, from God, from the Word of God, in this area and uh, of parenting and. It will translate over into just areas of spiritual life as well. So don't think, well, I'm I'm beyond parenting, or I'm not a parent yet, so it doesn't apply to me. No, you you're going to hear truth today, I promise you. And uh, so so why don't we just go ahead and just give a good welcome? I know he's got some things he's going to talk about, some miracles and stuff. And we've kind of been a little bit in this journey with them. Uh, he's brought his wife and uh, this new bundle of joy. Uh, this is this is um, her first. Church service, is that right? First church service. So give a good welcome as Pastor Brayden comes and brings the Word of God. Thanks. All right. Pastor Walt stayed up here much longer. He's going to preach my whole service for me. So thanks for letting me do that. So, uh, yeah, hey, welcome. We're glad you're here with us. I just want to start by giving our worship team a hand clap. Can you give our worship team a hand clap? They do such a good job. I love that. Uh, yeah, my name's Braden. I'm the senior pastor of a New Life Church in, in Midland, Texas. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Walt and I connected uh, right at five years ago, right when we were planning our church. And he's now on my board of directors, or he's been on my board of directors for the entire time. And I've been such an honor and a privilege to have him there. Uh, I was just telling Ian, um just the other day, and I'm going to try not to get emotional about it, but it's like, he's my pastor. It's like, I've had people in my life that when, when oh crap happens, anybody ever has some oh crap moments? Can you say oh crap in church? Let's just fix this. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh crap. He said, oh crap. I promise you it's going to get worse where it gets better. I promise. Uh, but he's been there in some of those moments for me, and I just I just love having him and Joanne in our life. And uh, it is true. Last time I was here with you guys was December, and we were a family of four. And as far as I knew, that's what we were going to be was a family of four. And uh, we shortly after I got home, I think I was here on like December like 3rd or 7th, somewhere in that week between the 3rd and the 7th. And uh, I found out on the 14th that number five is on the way. And so I have three girls. Um, so I need extra prayer from all of you in here today. Uh, but it's, it's super cool that it's, it's funny. This is, I didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me till, uh, we were in the back that this is actually her first church service, but it was in a church service here, actually a leadership talk, uh, that was at the other building here at the Life Church with a, a guy from South Africa. His name's Ed Trout. Have you ever heard of Ed Trout? If you don't want to have a baby, stay away from him. Uh, yes, stay right on away. And, he prophesied some things over me three years ago about having another baby, and I just told him with as much honor and respect as I could, stay out of my life. Um, you do you, boo-boo. <laughs> and, uh, but it didn't work. And so uh, we, we actually did. We had our, our, our fifth, number five, Evan Quinn, who's here with us today in our very first church service, and my wife, Leanne. Stand up, Leanne. 
Say hi. Come on. This is her. This is, she's been hiding out at church. This is, the baby's almost four weeks old or three and a half weeks, almost four weeks old. So we haven't even been back to church with the baby. So if she got prophesied she was going to happen at this church, she might as well choose this church to come to church for the first time. So uh, we're, we're glad to be with you guys. It's funny because this, this whole journey with this baby has been completely different because when we had her, uh, I was in the delivery room and it happened just kind of all of a sudden. We were supposed to be just resting and she had an epidural. We were resting. All of a sudden the doctors came in and said, oh, we're fixing to have a baby. And about 45 minutes later, she was here. I was like, well, that happened fast. And so I was there when she was getting delivered. And it was funny. It's funny the things that happened. Like I said, my oldest kids are 13 and 9. So this has been a long time since I've done this. And so uh, it's, uh, when, when she came out, I, I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so glad she has a normal shaped head. And, and why that is important is because when our first child was born, I guess for whatever reason, she was down in the canal or wherever it is they are for so long. I, I'm telling you, she had a football for a head. I mean, like you could put a toboggan on her and it just like looked like a top cap. It's like it didn't even get to her eyebrows. It's like, what's wrong with your head? And I was so caught off guard because we just need to tell the truth in church and shame the devil. Can we just tell the tr- truth in church for a second? There's no such thing as a pretty newborn. Let me prove it to you. I got a picture of one. This was mine, actually. That ain't pretty. Ain't nothing pretty about that. And when you're a 22-year-old, 23-year-old young man, and that comes out, the first thing out of your mouth is not, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. And when, so when our first child was born, first of all, she comes out with a cone head, and, and they hand her to Leanne, and Leanne's crying, and she's like, oh, my God, isn't she beautiful? And as God is my witness, I said, baby, I'm sure she will be someday. <laughs> I believe that with all my heart. So, so <laughs> I was just super glad that Evan didn't come out as ugly as my first two did. So, I, uh, so there's that. And then, of course, my other, we have a real sarcastic family, so you're just going to have to bear with me on some of that. But I love harassing my oldest, my, my other two, because we all just love this baby so much. And I'll just hold her and I'll say, oh, my gosh, you're so much prettier than your sisters right now, you know. And so they're like, Dad, no, but it, it's true. And it's, it's interesting too, because like I said, since it's been a little while since we've had one, I, it, it just, it struck me. It kind of shocked me as soon as we, we held, as I held her for the first time, it's like, you just forget how much you love them automatically. It's like, it's, it's incredible that they can look like a little old wrinkled man and you still love them. It's like, you don't even look normal, but I love you. It's like, you just love them. And I, it just dawned on me. It's like, they are the only human being that you don't have to grow and love in. You just, it's, it's something about a child. It's like, you just, you're, especially your child. Now, other people's kids, they need Jesus. But your kids, you just automatically just love them. And it's the weirdest thing. It's like, you, I've heard people say, oh, well, that was how it was with my wife. It was love at first sight. Wrong. It was lust at first sight, and it grew into love. You were looking at lots of other things that wasn't the heart of Jesus. It was, let's just tell the truth in church, like we said. So, um, it's just interesting because I had a conversation with a lady in church. We just finished our series in Midland. We do a series every, the beginning of every school year called Family Tune-Up. We talk about marriage, parenting, and finances, and that's kind of one of the things that we do. And I just finished talking about parenting at our church a couple of weeks ago. I did a couple of weeks on parenting there. And we were talking about this idea of how you just automatically love your kids. And I brought out this point, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this. There's not a single scripture in all of the Bible. Bible that specifically tells you to love your kids. 
Not a thing. You, you, you look, just look. I, I've even asked Siri. I asked Siri, Siri, Google, and, and she couldn't find it either. It's like there's not a scripture in the Bible that specifically says love your kids, which is interesting because there's a lot, of, a lot of scriptures in there that have very specific things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we have a, a specific scripture that tells us to love God. You wouldn't think that we would have to be told to love God. You would think that it would be automatic, yet it specifically tells us to love God. Scriptures that tell us to love your neighbor. Scriptures that tell you to love yourself. Scriptures that tell you to love your enemies. Lots of scriptures that get very, very specific on when it comes to love. But for whatever reason, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to your kids, there's not a scripture that specifically says to love your kids. And I just believe that that's because it's one of those things that's automatic. You don't have to necessarily be told to love your kid. And we'll come back to that here in just a second, because what's interesting about that to me is in, in so many other areas, uh, the Bible gets very specific concerning parenting. It, it gets very, very specific. And I'm so thankful that it does, because there's a lot of things that as parents that do come natural, but there's a lot of other things that they, they don't come natural. The Bible has to kind of give us some instruction on those. And uh, I want to go back to a scripture that I actually read with when, I, when I was with you guys last time from 1 Timothy chapter 3. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, you can turn there if, you, if you've got your Bibles, we'll, and we'll read from this. This is a scripture where uh, the, 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 Timothy's being instructed on how to lead leaders in the church, or what are you looking for when it comes to leaders uh, in the church. And it says this, this is a faithful saying, if any man desires the position of a bishop, which is just a leader, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children, so we're fixing to get some specifics here, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule in his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? That's a very important statement. In fact, on my church staff, there's a, I've kind of got a thing that I've done with every pastor that I've hired. And when you read this, the Bible is literally saying that when it comes to church leadership, you, you qualify for church leadership when you're a great leader in the home. What's happening in the home may be more important to God than you think it is. And what's interesting about that is you're like, well, I'm not a church leader. I'm, that's, not, that's not what I am. Well, anything that's a requirement for a church leader should be the target for everyone else. The reason it's a requirement for the church leaders is because that's where they're supposed to be leading the rest of the church, leading us into these things. And so when he, he, he gets really specific in the area of a, parent, a family here, and I, and I think, okay, if he gets specific and says, you're not qualified to lead in the church, I, I, again, like I was saying, every pastor I've ever hired, I told him, I said, look, if this is important to God, this has to be important to me. And so if I don't have, air, if I don't have access into your marriage, your parenting, your finances, the things that are going on in your home, then I can't train you to be a good church leader. I've told pastors before, if I don't have access to those areas in your life, then this is not the place for you. This is not, this is not somewhere where you're going to work. We have to value the things that God values. And I just find it interesting how specific he gets. He says, having your children in submission with all reverence. When you look in the King James Version, the two words that are used there, he says, having your children in subjection with all gravity. Having your children in subjection with all gravity. So he uses those two words, subjection and gravity. The original uh, translation of that word subjection, it's actually a military term. But when you look at it in reference to parenting, here's what the definition of it is. It's an attitude of giving in, cooperating with, 
assuming responsibility, and carrying your own burden. So he's saying this is supposed to be the attitude of your children. You keep your children with this attitude of of giving in, this attitude of cooperating, this attitude of assuming responsibility. Then he goes on to say with all gravity, which means in harmony with. In harmony with who? With you. Can we just be honest? Sometimes it seems impossible to have a two-year-old in harmony with you. They're in harmony with the devil is who they're in harmony with sometimes. Like, Jesus, take their will. Just take all of it. But it's saying this is the requirement of church leadership. Having your children in subjection, having your children with this, keeping your children with this attitude of giving in. In other words, you keep your children in a posture of mom and dad set the rules, I just follow. Mom and dad are in control. Can I just say this? That word right there, it just, it grades against the nature of the flesh. Whether you're a kid or an adult, none of us want someone else in control. None of us want to give that control over to anyone. But the Bible says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, meaning those of us who give control over to the Holy Spirit and allow him to lead our lives, he's the one that walks us into our inheritance with our heavenly father. That is the goal as Christians, right? To be led in every single area of our life by the Holy Spirit into deeper and deeper relationship with God. He's telling us right here, that starts way back when they're kids, teaching them to give in their control, hand over their control to someone else so that when they grow up, it won't be as difficult, as hard, as much flesh to overcome and sacrifice and kill, so to speak, when it's time to give the Holy Spirit control of our lives. He gets very specific. I I remember um, when I was 12 years old, my first job when I was 12, my mom made me uh, get a job when I was 12. And uh, my uncle was a very well-known horse trainer. And uh, so when we would, we would take these two-year-old colts, well, most of them were 18 months to two years old. We would take these colts and we'd put them in a round pen. And at first you would just start running that colt in a circle, a round pen, no, nothing, no head, no headgear, no, no bridle, no hackamore, no halter, no, no, no reins, no nothing, no saddle, no nothing, just the horse. And you'd run that horse in a circle. And then every now and then you'd cut them off and force them to go another direction. And you're starting to establish, you're going to go the direction that I want you to go. It's something super simple. You're just going to go. And at first, the horse isn't happy about it. They're, not, they're, they're, they're afraid of you. They're running scared. So they're kind of like, what's going on here? And, and, and you're establishing that I'm in control. But eventually they realize you may be in control, but you're not hurting me. You may be in control, but this, this ain't really hurt. I'm just, I'm sweating a lot. <laughs> But I, 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 I'm not hurting. And, and he said, what you're trying to do is eventually give that horse who's initially afraid of you turning his back to you, you're initially trying to get that horse to just turn and just maybe give you one eye. Where he starts to watch what, what, what you're doing and maybe he'll get a little head start on what it is that you want him to do. It's the first sign that he's giving you control. And then all of a sudden, he, he doesn't just want one eye. He wants, he wants two eyes. He wants the horse facing. And even if that's just their body posture is still here, but, but I'm looking. And, and, and the goal is that you continue to work with that horse until, and he says this, you know you've got a winner. If all of a sudden this horse begins to face you and doesn't just face you, but begins to walk to you. Is that not the posture that we're supposed to have with our Heavenly Father? Where it's like, you know, at first, you know, oh, you're in control. You're going to tell me what to do with my money. You're going to tell me what to do with my time. You're going to tell me what to do with my kids. You're going you're to tell me what to do. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, this ain't, this ain't all that bad. Don't really hurt. In fact, the more I tend to give you control, 
the better things seem to be off to me. And then all of a sudden we're so trusting and we, we don't just, we're not, we don't feel controlled. We submit control. And we come to him because we start to realize the best thing in my life is to give you full control. That is the posture. That is the heart posture that as parents, we're supposed to be training our kids towards. Anytime they say, you know what? I want to be in control. I'm going to throw a fit. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to hang out with who I want. We just increase the pressure and the pain until they start to realize when I do what I want to do, things don't work out the way I thought they were going to work out. But when I give in control, then we take the pressure off and we encourage, we reward, and we say pressure comes off when more control is given. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, then he will give you the desires of your heart. Did you know you were actually created to live from a place of desire? Not rules, regulations, and all that stuff. We were created to live from the desires of our hearts. A picture of the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, he creates this unbelievable place for us to live and says, eat of any tree you want, go do, expand however you want to expand, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. This whole place I created for you, I just need one tree. In other words, I need you to stay with a heart posture that I am Lord. And as long as I stay Lord, you get to live out of the desires of your heart. But can I just say this? We don't get to live from desire until we've submitted ourselves to his lordship. And the same goes with our kids. We don't give in and start rewarding things until lordship is given till submission is given, till that word subjection, till they give in and say, it's your way, not my way. The Bible's very specific about that. The Bible's very specific uh, about other areas of parenting. It's very specific when it comes to discipline. It's very specific when it, as, as far as what we're supposed to do as, as Christian moms and dads. I, I love this scripture. Uh, and from the New Living Translation, it says this in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13. It says, don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, you ain't going to kill them. They, they may act like you're killing them. He <laughs> goes on, physical discipline may well save them from death. Another great verse here, Proverbs 13, 24. And this, he just kind of ramps up the, the volume a little bit here. He says, those who spare the rod of discipline, hate their children. That's strong. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. See, it never ceases to amaze me. I can preach a message like this and I'll have, I'll have people come up. Typically it's the mom and, and they'll say, you know, I, I, I loved your little talk. That was a nice little talk you did. And, um, you know, it's just crazy. Our kids just were so different. They were just so different than every other kid on the planet. It was really wild. I'm these special children that I've had that, um, that we just never really had to spank them. You could just kind of give them that look. And it was incredible. We just never had to spank them at all. And my response to that is like, really, where did you get that scripture from? That some kids, for some special children, the rod of discipline isn't unnecessary. They needeth the looketh. They shalt respondeth to the looketh. If thou looketh correctly. Can I just say this? Especially if you're older and you've kind of raised your kids past some of that point. 
just because they never got a busting didn't mean they didn't need a busting. Now, for those of you who are wondering what bu- busting is, Texan for spanking. We, we say busting. So just because they never got a spanking doesn't mean they never needed one. There's, there, there are some things in the scripture that when you apply those things by faith, they work. So many parents, I'm sorry, we, we've tried spanking our kid. We've, we've, we've tried it. It just doesn't work. Are there any other scriptures that don't work? If you could just help me, I'll just go ahead and eliminate those from my scripture, my Bible as well. I'd hate to be reading something that's not going to work. It works. Now, now if it's done in anger, it ain't going to work. If it's done because you have an emotional meltdown, and I've, I've watched this, especially with a lot of rough, tough men, and they say, well, I spanked my kids. I said, no, you're actually, you're actually abusing your kids. What you're doing is abuse because you do it in anger. You, you don't do it right when it happens. You don't do it in love. There's no affection. They're, they're not connecting the dots. I, when, when we used to spank our kids, I can honestly tell you, uh, every time we spanked our kids from the time that they were born, we didn't do it in anger. It wasn't a retaliation to our kids. We would spank our kids. And then after they were done, we hugged. And I said, I just want you to know I love you. I just want you to know I love you. So that they started connecting the dots of discipline love. Discipline, love. That's starting to sound eerily like a scripture. God disciplines those he loves. God corrects those that he loves. So it's not just the fact that you spank, it's how are you, how are you doing this? I want to kind of add a little something to this because when it comes to, to parenting and discipline, we're called to parent the entire soul of our children. Soul, S-O-U-L. We're called to, to parent their whole soul. The Bible teaches us that we are three-part beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. Now, when you were born again, Jesus wiped your spirit, man, clean. Your spirit is who you are from the, at the foundation of your being. You are a spirit being. So you are a spirit. And when Jesus said those final words on the cross, it is finished. And then you confessed him as Lord and savior. All of a sudden your spirit, man, became perfect. Cannot be improved upon. It was made perfect through the blood of Jesus on the cross. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And in case you did not already know this, when you got saved, your soul did not. You still think crazy. You still make some crazy decisions. There's still a whole lot of crazy in the area of our soul. Guess what? There's a whole lot more of it in kids. (laughs) The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. What's he talking about? The soul. He's talking about their mind, the way they think the will, the decisions that they make, the emotions. It's talking about all those three areas. And you're called to parent all three areas. You're called to parent the will of your kids, uh, the, the, the mind of your kids, rather. Here's the interesting thing about the mind. You can't see it. You can't see what's in there. So do you know the only way initially that you get to parent the mind of your kid? It's called protecting what goes in in the first place. As a culture, we've stopped protecting what goes into the minds of our young people. Here's how I know that. Movies now that are rate, that rated PG-13, they wasn't PG-13 30 years ago. And, they, and they'll be PG 30 years from now. 
we are gradually saying our kids can have more and more stuff. They can see more and more stuff. We're, 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 we're losing the line. We're, we're lowering the bar as to what a, a, a child can see or hear when it comes to movies, when it comes to music, when it comes to social media. Can I just say this? Some of you need to raise that bar back up and say, you know what? If you don't want your kids having sex when they're 15 years old, don't let them start talking and listening to music about boyfriend and girlfriend and at the club when they're nine. They don't need to be at the club when they're nine. I, I, rem, I, remember, I remember when we were, uh, I think our oldest was probably, man, she, she was probably seven or eight, I want to say. It's probably about where, where she was, seven or eight years old. And there was a, there was a really popular uh, Disney character. She was really famous, and apparently she likes to ride wrecking balls now, and I don't really know what's wrong with it, what's going on in her world. But uh, she, she was really famous, and she had, lot, she had some movies coming out, and I, I had a person that wanted to take our daughter to go to the movie uh, and, and when she was seven or eight years old because, I mean, after all, it's Disney. It must be okay for kids. Well, in this in this movie, there was a lot of boyfriend girlfriend stuff, and and we just we we told this person who meant a lot to us, we respected him. We said, no, we're just we're not going to let you, we're not going to let you do that. And, I, and can I just say this? When you start taking a stand as a parent, sometimes it'll feel like you're taking a stand against other parents because they may be letting their kids do things that you will not. Take some courage sometimes to stand alone. And we stood alone that day, and I and, and we took some heat for it, and we just told him, said, no, I'm sorry, we just don't don't really approve of that, that movie. And, and, and we're not really trying to stoke the fires uh, when it comes to the whole boyfriend, girlfriend thing when they're seven and eight years old. Can we just be honest? That fire will get hot fast enough. We don't need to be throwing logs on that fire. It'll get, it'll get hot fast enough. It'll get, it'll get big enough fast enough. And so there were things early on, we just said, you know what? If, I, if I'm called to parent their mind, my first step is to parent what goes in there in the first place. Taking a stand on what goes in there in the first place. This is, if the shoe fits, wear it. And I'm not trying to, to, to be too hard. Much of what goes on in their minds and what goes into their minds is not a movie. It's not a song. It's not social media. It's the words of mom and dad. It could even start by saying, hey, why don't we change the way we talk to each other? Why don't we change the things we talk about in our home?" and start guarding the minds of our kids right there. We're called to parent the mind. And I'll tell you what, later on, as far as the mind goes, you won't know what's in there and you won't know what's in there until, unless you've established a relationship of trust with your, with your, with your young person. So they can, t- until they, because the goal is you want them to tell you what's in their mind. The only way you'll know what's in there. You can sit there and stare at them all day. Unless they tell you, you won't know what they're thinking about. You won't know what they're dealing about. And I promise you, I, I know this firsthand. I, I failed miserably early on with my oldest daughter. Uh, when she started kind of getting to that age and she was having crushes and things like that. And uh, I was raised with, with all boys. And I just, the whole girl thing, the Lord is teaching me a lot. I think he's parenting me instead of me parenting them. It's like, I'm learning a lot. And so I, I didn't know a lot about girls, but I had a lot of fear too when it came to the whole boyfriend and girlfriend thing. And it's like, every time I, I would hear that word crush, I would just think about my beautiful, perfect little daughter and somebody's ugly, stupid boy. And 
I just struggled, and I, I would say things, and I would be real when when, other, when stuff like that would come up. Uh, in fact, I, I, this is a true story. This is sad, but it is a true story. Uh, I was pastoring a campus church in, in Midland, Texas about seven years ago, and this is when I was not doing too hot, and my daughter was about six or seven, and some of this stuff was starting, and, and I told the church from the platform, Jesus, forgive me. I told the church from the platform, I said, just so you know, if you start sending your kids to my house, I might send them back in a pine box. I'm just going to put that out there. And Leanne's over on the front row going, you can't say that. Like, you just physically can't say that. And I'm like, forgive me, Jesus. And, but I just, I had it, but it was a lot of fear. I was dealing with a lot of fear. I had more fear in what was in that other boy than I did have faith in what I put in my girl. I had a lot of fear. And so all of a sudden that fear was causing me to say things and do things. And, and, and the next thing you know, my wife's coming to me saying, yeah, well, Susanna's got this little crush at school. And I say, say what? You, you need me to crush what boy? I said, what? And she goes, yeah, it's actually been several months now. And I'm like, what are we doing? Am I not the head of this household? Are we not supposed to be telling me what's going on in this household? Like, and I was so taken back by it. And my wife says, she doesn't want to talk to you about it. She doesn't want to talk to you about it because the way you act every time she brings something like that up. And I can tell you, it broke my heart that something I had done had broken the trust between me and my little girl. And then I didn't have that relationship and I had lost what was going on on the inside of my little girl. I had lost the ability as a father to speak to my little girl about some things because of how I had acted because she wasn't about to tell me what was going on in her mind. She'll go talk to somebody else. Can I just tell you that's your worst nightmare when they start going to somebody else about the things that they're going on, that, are, that they're dealing with in their mind. And I, and I, I, um, I took her in a, on, a, on a ride in, the, in my truck and I repented. And I said, I want you to forgive me. To my, at this time, 11-year-old. 10 or 11. And I said, I want you to forgive me for how I've acted. And I'm asking you from this day forward to please tell me what's going on in your world. And I promise you, I will not react that way anymore. And if I do, I give you permission to tell me, say, daddy, we talked about this and get me back in check because I, I have to know what's going on on the inside of you. I have to be a safe place for you. I'm supposed to be a strong tower that you can run into so that you can know that you're safe, just like my heavenly father is for me. We can talk about other areas. As far as the will goes, we're called to parent the will. Encourage their good decisions, discipline their bad decisions. Emotions. Can I just say this? This is where I think a lot of parents were missing the mark as far as parenting emotions. You know, bad, we all know bad decisions can hurt us. We teach our kids, you make poor decisions, it can hurt you. It can hurt somebody else. You, you're 15 years old, you go to a party, you get drunk, you get in your car. That's a bad decision. And that bad decision, you might get away with it the first time. And the next time you might slide by with an MIP or an MIC or something like that. But then you might get in a car accident. You might hurt yourself. You might hurt somebody else. We can talk to them about the bad decisions and how they affect their life and somebody else's life. But can I just say that, tell you this? Not handling your emotions can sometimes do more damage than a wrong decision can make. As a husband, I make lots of dumb decisions. For some reason, I can see the trash full and I still don't take it out. I don't know why. I still stack my shoes in the living room. 
I still don't put my key in the key basket. So many poor decisions. Jesus, help me. But can I just tell you, those poor decisions don't do near the damage as when I'm in a, in a moment where I have, don't have control of my emotions and I'm mad and I say something harmful to her, the hurt that happens in her soul because of my lack of control of my emotions and me spewing things out of my mouth does way more damage than the trash not getting taken out. And the problem is we're not teaching our kids when they're young to get control of their emotions. Here's what we're teaching them. If you go, we go into Walmart and little Johnny wants a snicker. Mama says no. If Johnny will flop around on the floor long enough and loud enough, little Johnny's going to get a snicker. Come on. What are we teaching them? If you emote enough, if you cause a big enough, if you throw a big enough fit, if you do it big enough and loud enough, not only will it not cause any pain, you'll eventually get what you want. Can I just tell you that's the culture we're living in today? Young people doing anything and everything they want, saying anything they want. It's like, I'm 10 and I need to start a blog because I have so much to say. It's like, what? You're 10? I just need to get some things off my chest. I'm like, no, you need to keep them in. Like, just keep it in. You're going to regret this when you're 30. And we're teaching our kids, just say whatever you want. Be whoever you want. Love whoever you want. Don't get control of your emotions. There will be no harm. It's a lie. It's a lie. Sometimes not having control of your emotions causes more damage than just making bad decisions. So we're called to parent their emotions. You say, so you'd give a kid a spanking for throwing a fit? (laughs) So fast. And I do it in love. I do it in love. Hey, you know what? We talked about that. We're not going to scream and holler. We're not going to throw fits. You're going to get a spanking. And it's not because I don't love you. It's because I love you. You're going to get a spanking, and then we're going to hug. It was fun when we started teaching our kids about grace and mercy. So we started every now and then when it was time for a spanking, I'd say, okay, right now you're going to get mercy. Mercy is when you don't get what you really deserve. And boy, they started playing that mercy card. Daddy, is this mercy time? Nope. <laughs> some of the, those are some of more of the specific things that the Bible talks to us when it comes to parenting. But I just want to close with this kind of circling back to this whole love thing. It's because we're not, we don't have specifics when it comes to love because love is something that comes natural. Love is something that we do naturally. But can I just tell you the natural love that comes out is only the love that we've experienced before. Only the love that we know. Only the love that we've encountered and experienced ourselves. That's the only love. That's the automatic love that comes out in the area of our kids. And can I just be honest with you? Sometimes it's, it's not good. You know, you, you have families that have grown up, or parents that have grown up in households and families where there was a lot of abuse and love was control and love was all these different things. And there's not a real accurate example of what true, the true love of a father really is. And so we have parents that say, oh, I, because of my child and what love was and what love wasn't and all these things, I, 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 was, I was abused and my parents were angry. And so I love my kids so much that I, that's why I don't spank my kids. I, I ha- they have to know that I love them. So you automatically do what you think is the right thing to do, but it's because of the love that you didn't get. Or maybe the twisted version of love that you got when you were a kid. You, you love based on what you know love 
to be. Can I just say this? You'll never be able to truly give your own kids the love of a heavenly father until you yourself have known the love of a heavenly father. You have to know the love of the Father. You have to have encountered the love of the Father. You have to, you have to feel the love of the Father, Some, especially for men sometimes. Like, well, I don't, I don't have emotions. Yes, you do. They're just hiding under your mustache. <laughs> that scowl on your face. <laughs> you do. And I remember there was a time in my life, because I was wired that way. I'm not naturally an emotional kind of guy. I'm just, I'm just not. And, and I just remembered, though, there were, I would listen to people describe their relationship with God and they had something I didn't have. But it, that wasn't good enough for me because I wanted something. I wanted what they had. I wanted that relationship with God where there was that passion and where you felt the tangible presence of God. And, and it just dawned on me one day that if I want something I've never had, I'm going to have to be willing to do some things I've never done. And I would read scriptures in the Bible about people who would, interestingly enough, they would lay before the Lord. And I'm like, why are you laying down, bro? Just stand up and talk to him like a man. You know? If they would lay before the Lord in worship, and I, and I would read of the, the relationship that these guys, these characters in the scripture that they had with the Lord, and I remember that was a big one for me, and I just said, all right, Lord, I, I don't even know what this does, but I have to have something more than I've ever had before. I have to know you in a way that I've never known you before. And so I began to, I was the pastor, when I was a pastor of this other church and I would come in before the worship and I'd, I'd still be in my PJs, I'd have some sweatpants and a, and a hoodie on and, and I would come in, I'd leave my clothes in my office and change later and I would worship coming in at five o'clock in the morning and I would put e- earphones on and I began to lay on the stage and worship with all of my heart. And can I just be honest with you? The first time I did it, I felt like an idiot. I was like, I don't really know why we're doing this feel like we should just be able to stand up and do this, but apparently somebody got some results out of this, so we're going to try it. When's the last time you were willing to look like an idiot? Why, why does worshiping the God that created you make you feel so uncomfortable? I would just lay there and I would worship and I mean, I, the, the Lord began to encounter me and I, feel, I began to feel his presence in some of the most unbelievable ways. And in that season of my life, something happened that forever changed my life. It changed, it changed the course of my family. It changed the course of every area of my life. When one Sunday I woke up and it wasn't just another Sunday and I felt something I'd never felt before. I knew a presence was in the room that wasn't. I woke up at five o'clock in the morning, eyes wide open, and I knew something was in the room with me and I just grabbed my stuff. It was, I, was on, I was supposed to have church that morning and I, I came to the church and I was walking around and this eerie peace, this presence was with me wherever I went. I could, it's like I could hear nothing. There was no sound in the room. There was no sound on the planet is what it felt like to me. And I, and I came into the sanctuary and I, I walked around and I was like, I, Lord, I don't, I don't know what's in this room. I don't know what's going on. Something's different today than every other day in, the, in my life. And I, I, I don't know what this is. And I was talking with him. My prayer language is just, I just talked to him. I don't really have a, some bunch of these and thouts. And I, I don't know how to pray that way. I just talked to him. And I remember I was on this, I was sitting on the ground over here. And we had a stage that was a little shorter than this with some steps that walk up to it. And I just turned, I said, Lord, I don't, I don't know what this is. I don't know what's in here with me, but I guess I'll just lay down and worship. And I heard a voice from behind me as if it was a real human being say, then I'll just lay down with you. 
And when I heard those words, I chills came all over my body. I got scared, got a little scared, ain't gonna lie. And I, go, I, I got up on the stage and I laid down and I, right as I was closing my eyes, it was like an out-of-body experience. And all of a sudden I saw someone, I just saw from the knee down, I saw a white gown. <laughs> I saw feet with sandals step over me. And I closed my eyes back real tight like, what is going on? And then he laid down right beside me and I closed my eyes as tight as I could and this weight began to cover me. I can't explain. It's like I was melting into the stage and I was just shaking and crying. And I didn't know what it was. And I said, Lord, what is this? Who is this? And all of a sudden, a movie screen flashed in front of my face that I could see this movie. That I, it was a, it's a movie called A River Runs Through It. And in this movie, there's these two brothers that are laying down on the river beside each other. And, and I knew that was the Lord saying, that's your elder brother, Jesus, laying beside you. And I'm just telling you, when Jesus comes and lays down beside you, you think the stupidest things. And I remember thinking, why is he here? It's like you pray, Jesus, come. And then he comes, you're like, why are you here? What did I do <laughs> that you had to send Jesus? And I just remember, it's like once I knew it was him, some, I wanted to see him so bad. I, it's like I knew he was laying right beside me. And I just... I wanted to see him so bad, but I I wanted the feeling I was, I wanted the experience to continue more than I wanted to see him. And for some dumb reason, I thought if I look at him, he might run off. It's like, how can you run Jesus off? It's like, what are we doing now? And I just remember, and I just held my eyes closed and just, it was the most unbelievable experience of my life. I'd been a Christian a long time. (laughs) But that day I met Jesus. And something happened in me that day where I realized, because I noticed that he never said a word to me. And for weeks, I was just like, Lord, you came and laid with me, and then you didn't even say anything. Like, you didn't give me any instructions. You didn't talk about my calling, my purpose. You, You didn't correct anything that I was doing. You didn't do anything. And over time, the Lord just began to whisper softly on the inside of me. He's like, I just wanted to be with you. And something changed in me that day that I realized being a Christian is a lot less about what I do for him. And a lot more about what he did for me. He just, and what he did for me was just so he could be with me. I encountered grace that day. I encountered mercy that day. I encountered the person of Jesus. And there's a lot of teaching on grace and people can get it all twisted. And, oh, now I've got grace and I can do whatever I want. Can I just tell you this? When I met Jesus, when I encountered grace, when I encountered mercy, I didn't get a license to sin. I got the love of the Father. John 14, 6 tells us this. Jesus said, he answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can I just say this? You'll never experience the love of the Father until you receive the forgiveness from the Son. The greatest thing you can ever give your kids is that you have a relationship with Jesus that you know what mercy looks like, that you know what grace looks like, that you know what the righteousness that comes from above looks like, where there's no more guilt, no more shame. There's nothing standing in the way between you and God. Then and only then can you truly receive the unconditional agape love from a heavenly father. The greatest gift you'll ever give your kids is that you yourself have been with the father. That you yourself know Jesus. I'm not just saying that you're a Christian. I'm saying get to know Jesus. Like John the Baptist said, 
the man who takes away the sins of the world. Since there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For some of you in here today, the best thing you'll ever do from your, for your kids, get rid of the condemnation. Receive the love. You'll love them naturally, but it'll be a new love you're giving your kids. It'll be the unconditional love of the Father that you know personally. And if it's not already on the inside of you, it's not coming out into your kids. Amen. Can you just all stand with me this morning? Just stand to your feet. If you would just close your eyes, bow your head. I'm just going to ask everybody in this room a couple of questions. First question I just want to ask everybody is, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? And I use that word Lord specifically. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not all who call upon the name of the Father or all who call upon the name of the Holy Spirit or all who call upon the name of the Savior. No, it gets real specific there. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Some of us in here is like, we would, we would say we got our fire insurance, we're going to heaven, but I'm just going to ask you a question. Has your life been impacted in such a way that you can never go back? When you met Jesus, when you gave him your life, did something happen on the inside of you that has changed the course of your life forever? If you, if you cannot say absolutely something happened in me that day that changed the course of my life forever, I would just have to ask you then, which Jesus did you meet? Because the Jesus that I met changed everything about my life. And this doesn't mean you can't have mistakes or you miss it every now and then. You know what I'm talking about here. Have you said, Lord, I need you. I'm giving you control of my life from this day forward. I serve you and nobody else. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you and you've never made that decision to give him your life, I want you to do that right now. And if you would just slip your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. I want to make that decision for the very first time. Anybody in here would say, yeah, that's me. I need to do that. I see that hand. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Anybody else? I need to make that decision for the very first time. Second question I want to ask is, if you're in here and you just, you're carrying a lot of guilt, shame, and condemnation in the area of parenting, there are some things that you feel like you've done that you've missed the mark. There's some things you know now that you didn't know back when your kids were younger, and maybe your kids are even grown and out of the house, and the, there's a lot of guilt, shame associated when, in the area of parenting and your kids. If our God can redeem all the sins of all mankind for eternity, He can redeem any area that you've missed the mark in the area of your kids like that. And I'm just going to pray that shame be broken off of you. Guilt be broken off of you in this area. If that's you, if you would just raise your hand and say, I'm dealing with a lot of that. Quite a few hands going on. Awesome. Thank you for that. Lord, I'm asking you right now just to breathe mercy on every single person that raised their hand right now in Jesus' name. Pour out your spirit right now on every single person that raised their hand right now in Jesus' name. I don't know if this bears witness with anybody, but I just felt like during worship, the Lord gave me a name. Uh, If your name's Deborah, if your name's Deborah, I felt like this is, and I asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, is this something you want me to call out? I won't ask you to raise your hand or anything like that. But I felt like there's a Deborah in here that you're dealing with this 
this in a, in a, in a strong way, in a, in a heavy way, and there's a spirit of heaviness on you in this particular area. And I believe the Lord would tell you, I've got your sons. They were mine before they were yours. And I'm watching over them. And to give that to him and let him be God in their life now. I just want us all as a church also just to pray this prayer for the, for, the, for the one that raised their hand to receive Jesus. Let's just all pray this together. Say, Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe you sent your son to die on a cross because you love me and you desire relationship with me. So from this day forward, I choose you. I receive my righteousness. I receive my forgiveness. I'm confident. I'm fully persuaded that heaven is my future home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's program at the Life Church. Our prayer is that you've been blessed by this morning's message and that God would continue to speak into your heart throughout the week. We are so excited about what God is doing right here at the Life Church as we connect people with God's purpose. Again, if you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us for a visit at 3301. TLC Way. We have two Sunday morning services for you to choose from, 9.15 and 11 a.m. Again, our prayer is that you've been blessed and we hope you have a great week.